The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello everyone and welcome to The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 2, Episode 15. We have part of a plan. Hello everyone. Thanks for joining us again. We're ready to talk a little bit more Wheel of Time. My name is Justin. As you know, I'm the guy who has read parts of the Wheel of Time and doesn't remember anything. And my partner in crime is uh, Stephen, who has read the Wheel of Time several times and remembers almost everything. I won't say you remember everything, because I think I've caught you a couple of times. Oh, yeah. Uh, how are you doing this week? You know, I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a good week so far. Uh, you know, we're recording this one a little earlier in the week, so it's uh, still still fresh week, off to great possibilities, and uh, it's going to be a good week. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of um, kind of back on what should be our normal recording schedule. We got off of that for a good while, and I, yeah. for one, am glad to be back to uh, back to normal on that, and uh, definitely yeah. makes uh, makes planning the week out a lot easier. So. Looking yeah, forward, does. looking forward to uh, what we got going on tonight, and uh, I think we're gonna we're in for some good discussion. We're already uh, covering a chapter we meant to cover last week, but didn't quite get to it. Uh, altogether, we're looking at chapters forty-two through forty-four. So, listeners, if um, you haven't read those yet, I encourage you to do that and uh, uh, come back and join us for the discussion. You ready to get into it? I am ready, man. All right, so we'll start in chapter 42, Falma. The days are now cold as Nynaeve and Elaine wander the streets of Falma, and Nynaeve is determined to rescue Egwene, but first she has to figure out how to get rid of the Adam. Egwene is trying to figure out the same thing, though the effort takes its toll. After revealing to men how her talent is growing, she also mentions that the Shanchan plan to ship her back across the sea. And when Rena learns that Egwene has been channeling without permission, she punishes her, beginning with stripping her of her name and giving her a new one. So right off the bat, we get into a time jump. Yep. Uh, a little bit of time has passed from where we were in the earlier chapters. Um when uh, we last left the ladies that uh, we're talking about in this chapter, it was about the time they were leaving Tarvalon and when they got to uh, Tolman Head where Egwene was captured. And about that time, we read that Autumn's first chill was just starting to show up. Yeah. Uh, but now it seems they've been in Falma for a few weeks and the days are already... The days are cold. It's not just... Uh, it's not yeah. just the chill, but the days are are actually cold. So they've uh, we we've had we've spent some time uh, away, kind of got a little bit of a time jump. Uh, yeah, 
I'm trying to see exactly how long, because I think it's actually a little more than a couple of weeks. I could be wrong, though. It's, uh-huh. it, I think I think all it says at one point is is weeks. Yeah. Uh, I would venture to say it's probably been more like four to five weeks would be my guess. Yeah, I would I would um, think so. Just based some. on some of the events and the time frame and the fact that we're finally trying to get our timeline synced back up, I think. Okay. With the boys. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think we're we're gonna realize um tonight that I think we're about we're about there, right? I think we're all kind of yeah. back in the same time frame. Um one interesting note, and it's just kind of a a passing reference, and Nynaeve tries to deny that it's true, but Looks like Pad and Fane is still hanging around. Because, yep. yeah, while they're in the city, Nynaeve thinks that she gets a glimpse of him, but she quickly assures herself, no, there's no way that it's him. It's impossible. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's probably him, right? Oh, it's definitely him. Um, <laughs> uh, we know that, of course. But yeah. <laughs> obviously, for her, I mean, it'd be, it's the same as, like, you know, you go somewhere and you randomly think you see, you know, your next-door neighbor you know, eight states away that you right. know it's not them, but you could have swore that was them. You know, it's yeah. the odds of it actually being him for naive, at least in her mind are like just crazy. It couldn't be him. Yeah. Well, let's see. I don't, I mean, is it completely out of, out of possibility though? I mean, she knows that he's a dark friend because she was there in Faldara. she, she knows that he escaped. Um, I mean, it's a big world, so I guess you know he could be anywhere. I, it would still be surprising, I suppose, but not entirely out of the realm of possibility, or shouldn't be. I mean, he is drastically far away from where they last saw him, and without knowing of him using the ways, like the the just just there are so many places he could go. There's no reason for Pat and Fane, in her mind, to be in Falma. Like, well, why on earth would he come here with all the Sean, Ch- Sean Chan stuff going on? You know, it doesn't make any sense for him to be there. Well, it, may, it there, makes sense to him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he certainly had a reason. So, but as far as Nynaeve knows, right, they're, they're, it's, it's far-fetched at best, yeah. I guess we could say. Um, all right, so let's talk about what's going on with these these ladies. Let's talk about Elaine. Yeah, we, you know, with Elaine here, I guess the best way I can put this is her princess is showing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Elaine is a good person, uh, you know, and we'll obviously if we get a chance to know more about her in the future, I think we'll see that. But here it's really plain just exactly how she was brought up. She has a kind heart and she's a generous person, but she really doesn't understand the struggles and the day-to-day ins and outs of the real common people. Right. It's all, Uh, she, she's a little bit out of touch with, or, well, uh, maybe not out of touch. Um, uh, I think the word that I used in my notes was, was naive. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. I, I think it's just, she, you know, she just, doesn't really know. Yeah. Because because in her mind, the Fallmen should just be, you know, they should they should be rising up. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's that simple, right? Yeah. Uh she yeah, doesn't and- she doesn't realize 
just how difficult it would be. Yeah, and she doesn't have a grasp of... I, I don't think Elaine at this point really has a grasp of mortality in the, the sense. Like, she is not seeing what happened. Like, to her, she's heard stories about skirmishes with the Queen's Guard and with fights and wars, and it's all textbook knowledge. Yeah. She has no idea what it's like to actually be the person who's at the point of a sword. You know, she has no idea what it's like for these people when the Shan Chan came in and just started slaughtering. You know, that's completely out of her experience. She has book knowledge. Sure. She knows that stuff happened and she knows about strategy and war and all that. But she hasn't been impacted in her life directly by the results of violence. And so she doesn't understand people's wariness of the Shan Chan in that way. Yeah. Uh, I think she's still romanticizing things in some ways. Like I, it's a lot of storybook to her. Still. Yeah. I, w- I was just going to say, I think that's a good way to put it. It's, it's, you know, what she knows are the stories that she's been told. Yeah. And, you know, and, and we, I think we even kind of saw that as they were leaving Tarval and it, it was a little bit reminiscent of Egwene when they were first relieving the two rivers. Yeah. You know, it's she's very, excited. Very similar. She's excited about going on an adventure. Yeah. Uh, not knowing that, you know, adventures aren't, I mean, yeah, they're the, the great things that can happen, but they're not all the glamour that the Gleeman and the Bards make them out yeah. to be. Oh, yeah. And I think that is a big part of it is just because she's had, while she's been highly educated, she's lived a very sheltered life. Right. And you we know, would probably... her and her brother. <laughs> yeah, we would probably expect that of someone in her position. Yeah. Um, I thought it kind of interesting, um, you know, Nynaeve, actually, I, I wrote it down that she admits to herself that she thinks Elaine is partly right, um, uh, you know, about the people, you know, they should rise up, they should challenge the yeah. Shan Chan, they, but, but she also recognizes the, the odds of that being successful. I mean, yeah. they even take note of, of the Dom- Damani you know, if anybody were, should be willing to resist. Yeah. You know, in, 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 in Nynaeve and in Elaine's minds, if anybody should be willing to resist, it should be them. Yeah. Uh, now, I think that, you know, part of that there is their lack of understanding of how the Adam, Adam works. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so to them, it, it doesn't make sense that they would just, go willingly when in all reality they're not, but right. it appears like they are to the outside observers. Right. Uh, and I think too with Nynaeve, you know, and it, it, it speaks well of both Nynaeve and Elaine here. You know, they both feel like, yeah, they should definitely be standing up. You know, they should take pride in their country and they should want to, to throw back these invaders. But Nynaeve is, I guess, has that little bit more practical side to her in that she, understands that while they might want to do that, it would also be a fool's mission at this point, given, you know, what all is happening here. Yeah. So I, we, we bring up the uh, Damani and the Adam or Adam. Um, and I, I I actually had a legitimate question because I, I read a summary 
that, in my mind, was making the suggestion that Nynaeve has already figured out how to open the the collar on an Adam. Yeah. We we know that she's kind of been probing at them with the power when she has a chance. Yeah. Uh, to Elaine's, you know, um, chagrin, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get. I, I know she has theories, but I didn't get the impression from the text of the book that she had figured it out already. Um, so. At this point, and I think she even makes an allusion to it at, the, at one point in this chapter with Elaine, she's gotten to the point where she thinks if she could just get one more good up-close look at one that she could figure it out. Okay. So she thinks she's almost got it so, at, at this point. So, but, but, you know, maybe if she could get her hands on one, yeah, she could do that's, it. I think that's actually exactly what she says in this chapter is that if she could just get a hold of one, she could figure okay. it out. Okay, so... Uh, so she's kind of figured it out, but she kind of hasn't. Yeah, <laughs> she's kind of kind of somewhere in the middle of yeah. of those she's, two. She's puzzling it out little by little. Yeah, but she just doesn't have all the pieces yet. And if she she had one in her hands, she could put her. She could probably if she, if she had one in her hands, she could put her theories yeah. to the to the test and find out she does have it figured out. Yeah, that's the that's a good way to think about it, I guess. Okay, um, all right. Well, since we're talking about the Adam. Um, let, let's shift gears and, and talk about Egwene because I don't think there's really anything else between Nynaeve and Elaine at this point. Um, I guess we could talk about Elaine stealing apples. <laughs> yeah, the little thief. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, no big deal, you know. Yeah, because, uh, you know, and that harkens back to the chapter before because their money isn't going as far as Nynaeve said it would. Right. Because well, she didn't because, account for the high prices with yeah. the Sean Chan coming in. Even even uh, in even in Falma, they're dealing with inflation. Yep. Uh. <laughs> so I was I did want to say before we move off of Nynaeve here, talking about the Adam. Adam. <laughs> I always want to say that wrong. Uh, I think this is our first little look at how Nynaeve uh, something about how she approaches the one power. Um, it's a little bit different. So she is very much a quick study. Um, and we've seen little hints and indications okay. of this anytime she channels before. Like, one, she just picks up on things that she maybe shouldn't know how to do, which is great and weird. But at the same time, she learns to do the things she sees other people do really quickly. Okay. Uh, like she, a lot of the stuff we've seen her do so far is stuff that she watched Moraine do and then just could do it. So she has this knack for puzzling out and figuring out how a thing is done with the one power and then being able to do it almost on a subconscious level. Which is kind of interesting, at least to me, anyways. Oh no, I, I totally agree. I hadn't really thought too much about that, but I'm glad you bring that up because I think it is an important part of her character, yeah. for sure. Um, be looking for that going forward, I guess. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I really don't want to do it, but I guess we do need to talk about Egwene. And yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, this kind of 
kind of goes back to what we talked about. I think it was chapter 40 last week. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets, gets a little depressing. Uh, it's yeah. not easy. And cause I mean, we're dealing with this. I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. It's, it's slavery. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was kidnapping and that turned into slavery. And I mean, it's, you know, of a, of a type that I don't even think we've, you know, that, that doesn't exist in our world because this is more than no. just, I think you mentioned it last week. It's more than just possession of the body. It's, you know, kind of an enslavement of the spirit as well. Yeah. Uh, and even, even the will, uh, because, uh, and I think yeah. we kind of see that with Egwene. She's even, you know, talks about how she's being trained. Yeah, it's it's very much what we see here. So we saw basically the kidnapping and enslavement side of things in the earlier chapter in the last week's episode. What we see here is the breaking down of a person and rebuilding them in the way you want. It's right. basically, you know, what they're trying to do is create Stockholm Syndrome, basically. Yeah. They're wanting to tear them down to their base and then rebuild them as the weapon and tool that they want. Uh, and so little by little, they work to break your will, to break you. Uh, you know, they and they'll go at it from all kinds of different approaches. Yeah. And, and we get, I guess, a glimpse of that in, um, I think her name is Rima. Yeah. Her, 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 her actual name, the name that she had before she was taken. I mean, she, she's a, she's an Aes Sedai of the Yellow Aja. Yep. But from Egwene's perspective, um, you know, she's pretty much given up. Yeah. You know, she's, she's, she stopped trying to fight and, uh, more we can say about her a little bit later on. Um, but uh, it, it kind of gives you, you know, Egwene is still kind of, I mean, I guess some time has passed. So she's maybe past the beginning stages of it because we get some, we get some details about her first, first few weeks as, yeah. as Damani. But, you know, Rima is, you know, she's at, at the end of her, her rope. I, I'm, yeah. It's a terrible term in this situation. And she, it but, didn't take a tremendous amount of time to get her there either. Yeah, because she uh, has. Like, it wasn't that long ago she was captured. Yeah, so this is not a slow process. I mean, they're at these people day and night, and I think yeah. you know they're using a lot of the same tactics you would use in real life, like sleep deprivation, uh, you know, starvation. They're using physical things on top of what they're doing using uh, the ADOM. Yeah. You know, so it's, they're being assaulted physically, mentally, spiritually, basically. I mean, it's coming at them from all sides and it's slowly breaking these women. Yeah. And, and we, we, I think we even see a little bit of that in Egwene herself. Um, yeah. She's, she, she still wants to fight, but it's getting harder and harder to do. Let's talk. We, we talked last week about some things we learned about the Adam. I'm gonna go I'm gonna follow your lead on that. <laughs> um, we get a few more details here yeah about how basically what life with the Adam is like. right. yeah, it's uh, very restricted. 
you know, we see it first, you know, she can't, uh, Damani can't even move the bracelet on her own. Right. Without inflicting tremendous pain upon themselves. And heaven forbid they manage to move it and then the pain sets in and they can't move it back. Mm. They're just stuck there in pain until the Suldam decides to put it back. And then the Suldam knows what they were trying yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's this horrible thing. Cause I mean, like if you were unfortunate enough to be a Damani who tried to move it, got, you know, heaven forbid you threw the thing or something oh. trying to get it away from you. And you're just sitting there in like world ending pain until finally the Suldam decides to make it better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's horrific. Well, this this whole thing is horrific. Something else that we see is um, the the Damani, they can channel when a Soldam is not wearing the bracelet, but it makes them very sick. Yeah. Uh, like here at the beginning of this, Egwene's doing just the, the tiniest little bit and it's making her feel nauseous. And I think yeah. she even she even thinks to herself, if she did much more than what she was, she would probably you know, end up vomiting. Yeah. Cause she mentions the fact that that was one of the things that, uh, her Suldam, uh, told her in the first couple weeks, but she made yeah. Egwene sit there without her holding the leash and told her to do her little light up balls trick. Yeah. And it made Egwene so sick. She could barely stand up for like a day. Right. Like, and that was just from basically making some lights flicker. And of course, and I think we mentioned this last week, but it's this chapter where we learn it that if a Damani has been channeling separate from the Suldam, when the Suldam puts the bracelet back on, she knows. Yep. Because at the end of this chapter, when Rena comes in, she puts the bracelet on and she knows right away that Egwene has been channeling. And of course, that's what leads to Egwene's punishment. Um including having her name taken away from her. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, and then there's also and, the and element... It, yeah, it gets sorry. worse. Yeah. Go ahead with that last one. Yeah, so... A Damani can't even... Even if she was pushed to the point, she isn't able to take her own life or to pick up or use anything that she would consider a weapon against the Sultan. Right. So it's, you know, incredibly restrictive to the point that Egwene makes the example of the fact that all she did at one point was think about using the wash basin to hit Rima and she couldn't wash with it for like, I think almost a week. Yeah. I, it, was, finally, it was, it was a few days to a week, I think. Yeah. So and she was like, until she finally mentally conditioned herself never to think of using it as a weapon. Right. She had <laughs> to convince herself that she would never do that. Yeah. Which is part of that kind of that breaking down, you know, yeah. brainwashing kind of thing going on. And it's, it, it's, you know, I think it's really sad the way that we learned this because, you know, Egwene mentions that Rima would like to take that path. Yep. And she can't. Yeah. Like, you Which know, is... obviously, obviously we wouldn't want anyone to take that path, but you know, 
in, in, in this case, you know, you can understand somebody feeling that way and that's not even an option available to them. Yeah. And it's you especially know. heartbreaking for Rima to be that person because she is a yellow. Yeah. The yellows are all about healing and life and flourishing and like restoring of things gone wrong. And to see her reduced to that is just heartbreaking. Yeah. And we get this moment where, you know, men goes to, at at Egwene's request, goes to hand Egwene her knife and Egwene's arm like starts to cramp up and. Yeah. Yeah, she can't even touch anything that would be a weapon. Yeah. Um, man, it it's makes dark. Makes me think of somebody having like a seizure, basically. Yeah, I guess I guess that would be one way to look at it. Um, all right, so what are the plans for Egwene? Well, you know, they would have trained her just to, you know, blow stuff up and fight and all that until they discovered that Egwene has a rare talent among uh, Damani. Okay. She's... She is exceptionally strong in Earth, which very few women are. Right. Uh, because typically, fire and Earth are stronger in men. Uh, but Egwene apparently is strong in Earth. Okay. Because of that, she is valuable because she can find metal in the ground. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let's just let's just real quick, just a, a quick refresher. We're talking about the the five powers. Five yeah. aspects of the power, which are earth, fire, water, is it air or wind? Air. Air, and then spirit yep. is the fifth one? Yep. And air and, and water, typically stronger in women. Yep. Earth and fire, typically stronger with men. And spirit is kind of, you know, both have, yeah. have power. And Pretty so much. It's just yeah. a little little refresher, a little primer on, because it's been a while since we talked about um, the five powers. I think we mentioned it back in season one, but yeah, yeah, we haven't uh, haven't touched on that well. So yeah, Egwene is especially strong in Earth, and it allows her, as you said, she can. Uh, well, in this case, we see she can differentiate between different ores. Yeah. And then she we, she can sense where there's ore buried in the earth. In fact, there was a, a mine not far outside of Falma that was, in some ways, I guess you could say, all but dried up. Yeah, but it had been abandoned. Egwene could still sense the deposits of ore in that mine. Yeah. Um. So what are they going to do with her? Ship her back to the home country. <laughs> yeah. Which I think send her back overseas to be presented as a gift to the Empress. Yeah. Which I think here we we this is where we learn that the name of their home is also Shan Chan, yeah. Uh, which is going to probably get confusing at points. It's it's the place and the people. Um, yep. But yeah, they're they're planning to to ship her across the sea and and soon I think. Yeah, that's uh, basically as soon as the next ship is ready to go, she'll be on it. And 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 I think it's even mentioned that you know. They're pretty much planning to send a ship pretty much just for her. Yeah. Like this isn't like a this isn't like a supply run and she's just gonna be put on the ship. It's almost it's made to sound like they are sending a ship back for this purpose of taking yeah. her well, back to Shan Chan. Her ability is rare enough. And so Demani are already, you know, priceless as far as cost. 
you know, to be able to own one is prohibitively expensive. Most right. of the people, most of the Demone that you see are actually owned by the Empress or someone of high noble status, and then they are lent right. out to lower nobles. Um, right. So given her abilities, that puts her in the top price category for these Demani slaves, basically. And so they want to have her sent straight back home because she's not going to really, she's too valuable to waste here, basically. Like they could use her to blow some stuff up and frighten some people, but it's a waste of her abilities when they could send her back to Shanshan and she could make the Empress gold. <laughs> yeah. It's an uncomfortable topic, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, we, we, uh, we have to face those things sometimes. Uh, it's part of part of history. It's part of this history. So, something that we're going to deal yeah. with. But let's can, can, let, maybe we should move on. Um, yeah, I think I, I think, think the next chapter. I think chapter forty three is is a little bit lighter. Um, uh, it's shorter, that's for sure. But uh, chapter forty three, yeah. a plan, wanting to put as much distance between herself and Egwene's ongoing punishment. Men escapes into the streets of Falma. And almost literally runs into Nynaeve and Elaine. Together, they start planning how to get Egwene free with the help of a familiar ship's captain who is as eager as they to get away from the Shan Chan. So, we got some um, familiar faces. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, one it's of those. interesting how this kind of happens here. It's, it's another one of those reunited and it feels so good moments. <laughs> yep. Uh, poor men, though. Uh, you know, she, yeah. the, the chapter starts with her having, she, she has to hear Egwene's punishment and, and thinks about running in to help, but kind of convinces herself it's not, it, it would only make matters worse. Yeah. She wants to be there for her friend, but she realizes that anything she does will just make it worse on her. Uh, because I think in some way, men is still feeling the guilt of the fact that part of why Egwene agreed to give up as easily as she did was to save men's life. Mm. Like, and that kind of sped up the process, I think, for Egwene. And I think men feel somewhat responsible for that here. Yeah. Um, like she is being, she realizes that while she was spared, it wasn't because they were being nice. They did it to manipulate Egwene. That's true. So uh, she's, I mean, that's a tough position for her to have to be in. Yeah. But maybe it helps a little bit to run into, run into some yeah. faces that she knows. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure it does. It it makes it you know, they can try and do something now. And she's not all by herself, helpless. There's actually this glimmer of hope that maybe we can do something now. <laughs> yeah, I guess you know we kind of get to see the the plan start to get set into motion. Um, men made a decision. When yes. she she caught up with Nynaeve and Elaine, not to tell them what was happening at that very moment. And uh, she had a good reason, I think. What do you think about that? Do you think it was the right decision? I think it was definitely the right decision. Yeah. Um, the only outcome, if she had told them, she's exactly right what would have happened. Uh, Nynaeve would have lost her temper and they would have, Hera and Elaine would have stormed in there, and within five minutes, they'd have all been wearing collars. Or worse. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Is is there anything worse than that? 
No, probably not. Um, uh, probably be worse to wear the collar. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I thought that was worth bringing up is, is her decision. Um, but I mean, they're apparently right outside the, uh, Damani yeah. quarters. So yeah, Nynaeve even Elaine are getting pretty darn bold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, really, they, they really need to be a little more careful. Yeah. Uh, they are flaunting thing themselves right there. And we know that when women who can channel can sense other women that can channel. So they are really taking a risk here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's a risk that, uh, kind of pays off because yeah they they meet back up with men and well i mean i guess it starts to pay off i don't guess we see it fully come to fruition yeah. yet but they meet back up with men and of course men has a contact that may be able to get them out of the city that the issue is going to be getting Egwene free yeah and getting the collar off of her which we talked a little bit about that maybe you know, Nynaeve is close enough to being able to do that. It, it's Now it's just a matter of getting to Egwene and being able to get her out of the Suldom's yeah. hands. Um, but before we uh, head down to the docks, Min sees a couple of things. She does. We get more Min viewings. <laughs> I love these parts of the chapters when we get these because I enjoy trying to figure them out. <laughs> and I enjoy like I, I I still need to sit down and, and just make like a comprehensive list of all that we've seen so far. But I enjoy, you know, like when you get to a moment, you're like, wait a minute. Didn't men see something about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, OK, the first thing that she sees is obvious, right? Right. Yeah. It's uh, Land's ring. Uh, yeah. With 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 Nynaeve, she sees a man's ring of heavy gold. And I mean, we even get the payoff for that in the same chapter. Right. Yeah. A little bit later, you know, she she pulls the, the cord out from around her neck and men looks at it and realizes, oh, that's the ring. Um, yeah. I think men's all, almost a little surprised there because I don't think she's used to the visions being literal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, they are, but most of the time they're more abstract. So I think yeah. for her, it's maybe even a little bit of a shock when she sees the exact ring and she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, now the, uh, the the other, go go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a little bit of a, you know, antidotal, happy kind of thing with Nynaeve. Oh, it's Land's ring. You know, that means maybe Land has some part in her future, that kind of thing. The two with Elaine are a lot more troubling. <laughs> Well, they're a lot more mysterious. Yeah. Um, we've got a red hot iron and an axe. Yep. Now, we could sit here and maybe try to theorize some things. I want to go back to... I'm, I'm looking up a doc from when we did our review of book one. Because we've got a list there of men visions... In the visions around Rand in book one, there was a white hot iron. Yep. And now we've got a red hot iron. So it's not as hot, right? Because yeah. white is hotter. Yep. Um, so maybe there's a connection there. Maybe. Um, maybe. And then there's the axe, which I think maybe the first thing many of us might think of with an axe is Perrin. Yeah. Because he's the only one we've really seen 
who has an axe. So maybe there's something to do with with Perrin in there too. One thing that I found interesting is both of these apparently mean trouble. Yep. Um, but distant trouble. But yeah, distant trouble. So now, now, was it both visions, like the one around Nynaeve and Elaine, that that mean trouble? I mean. It was just the ones around Elaine. Okay, so just the ones around Elaine that were meant to be taken that way. Yeah. Uh, there's probably going to be some trouble for Nynaeve related to land in the future, too, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's a different kind of trouble. Yeah. The trouble here that she's talking about is specifically about these last two with yeah. Elaine. Okay. Yeah, those, those sound troubling. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, you know, what what does an axe get used for other than chopping wood? Chopping heads. <laughs> and I was trying it, to there's I was trying bad, to think of it. I was trying to think of a snarky comeback, but uh yeah, yeah didn't get one. You know, history um it is not uncommon for rulers to be beheaded. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so just something to think about there. Something <laughs> something to think about. Um, all right. Let's head down to the docks. Yeah. Where we <laughs> meet a familiar face that I'm going to be honest, I should have realized a lot sooner <laughs> that the captain that men had found to get them out of Falma. How did I not know like right away that it was Bail Doman? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> I would say in in the Wheel of Time, unless you explicitly are told it's not Doman, and anybody starts talking about a ship, it's gonna it's be Bale Doman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that man will pop up in the weirdest places. Yeah, I, I mean, is, I mean, but but here, even more than than anywhere else, I mean, we the last place we saw him was in Falma. Yep, we knew even then that he would not like to stay any longer than he has to. Yeah. He didn't um, want to be there to begin with. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. It, I mean, it was, it was kind of about the early part of this chapter when they were, when they were talking about, you know, men first mentioned having found a captain. I, I started to kind of think about it. Oh, I bet it's Bale Doman. Uh, but prior to that, I the idea yeah. never even came to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, he doesn't want to stay in Falma any more than the rest of them do. Nope. But he at the just same... doesn't want to leave and be blown to bits. Yeah, at, by... the same, at the same time, he's also kind of afraid to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, well, I mean, he's already had the experience of encountering a ship that had a Damani on board. Yeah, that's the whole reason he's here in the first place, is because yeah. he didn't want to be blown to bits. And he doesn't want to face that risk again, of course. What is Nynaeve very boldly? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I love Elaine's response is, you know, she's, she's kind of like told me to be careful, you know, even takes her, the, the serpent ring that she has tied around her neck and shows it to him. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of, I'm with Elaine on this one. Like you, you need to be more careful. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Nynaeve's head at this point, they have to get this plan moving, and she yeah. doesn't have time to waste at this well, point. Well, yeah, that was something that, um, you know, as I, as I was going through the chapter the first time, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, naive, na- naive, naive, um, 
she seems to have such a cavalier attitude. She's almost like, almost like she is, you know, completely out of touch with emotion. Like when they mention, uh, I mean, we might talk more about this when they mention the, the sister that Doman saw get captured and they realized that what he saw was her getting cut off from the power. Like Nynaeve had like no reaction to that. Yeah. She just keeps on. But, but I, as I got towards the end, I think I realized that she's, she's putting on a front. Oh yeah. And she is, she's, you know, she's straightening her back and, and standing firm because she sees the way out. And you and and she 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 knows that this is, you know, they need to convince this man to help yeah. them. Did you catch on to what Nynaeve is doing here, though? So she's, in my opinion, Nynaeve here is taking on characteristics of two other characters. She's okay. taking on Lanisms in how she's acting. Oh, okay. Like, she's very much pulling a land here. Like, self-assured, confident yeah. in the face of danger, you know, nonchalant about it, being, you know, very stiff-backed here and doing what has to be done. So, in that, I see a lot of her channeling land. In how she's talking, though, she has definitely picked up a way of speech that is common to Moraine. <laughs> she's She is... She doesn't realize she's doing it, but she's already trying to do what Anais Sedai does and not tell a lie, right. but not necessarily the truth. Okay. She's working, she's not letting, she's never actually calls herself Anais Sedai, but she's completely aware of the fact that she's leading Bale Doman to believe she's Aes Sedai, yeah. but she's not actually lying. She's doing this crafty <laughs> wordplay thing that Moraine is so good at. And uh, yeah. so to me, when I read that, I was just like, she's picking up on things. She's, she's you know, her character's evolving. <laughs> yeah, she she learned something in her weeks in the tower. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, she spent all that time with Lan and Moraine uh, when they first got separated in book one. So maybe she picked up some things there as well. But uh, that's yeah. interesting, uh, uh, especially the 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 things about Moraine and how she's she's talking like an Aes Sedai would talk. Yeah. I, I did not really pick up on that, but I, I might have to go back and, and look at it again, but I appreciate you bringing that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think one other thing to, to say here is that, um, and, and, and this is more for, I guess to, you know, let them know that he knows what they're up against is, uh, Bale witnessed, um, one of the, the, it was mentioned, I don't think we said it here. It was mentioned in an earlier chapter that there were two Aes Sedai among the Damani. One of them was Rima, Rima, um, yeah. the, the yellow sister that Egwene mentioned. Another one whose name that we don't know. And Doman witnessed her getting taken. Um, and it was a pretty, I guess pretty distressing description. We mentioned her, her warder getting killed. Yeah. I mean, he, he took a few soldiers with him, yeah. but he, he finally went down and then she was cut off from the power. Was it like six Damani that, that, that took her 
that it finally captured her. I think it was. Um, um, I it was check, but I it think was so. it was several. I think the number was six. But I think what was most distressing is that among those six was this yellow sister Rima. Yeah. And I mean, we even you know, Doman even describes her crying out to her friend to help and Rima just breaking down because she can't, she can't do anything. Yep. And it just, I guess it just goes to further show how awful this, this Adam and this whole concept of Suldam and Damani are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You still but, think the white cloaks are the worst? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna come back to you. I'm gonna come back to you on that one. Uh, in in a way, yes. Okay. But in another way, I will agree that Sean Chan are also the worst. Um, <laughs> we're gonna break. We're gonna break grammar rules. We're gonna have more than one worst. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I can allow uh, that at least for now. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty awful. Yeah. They're pretty awful. I'm okay with that idea, at least for now. Maybe 10 books later, you might change your mind or not. Who knows? <laughs> well, I never got that far. So, um, but this ultimately this all ends with a plan to get out of Falma. Uh, the only thing that, that I guess is still, well, there's, I guess several mysteries, but there's one thing mentioned at the end of the chapter that there were, there were still one or two small problems that needed to be worked out. Uh, <laughs> obviously, one of those is is getting to Egwene, right, yeah. and getting her out of there. I guess that's not really a small problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, although Min does have kind of a plan, right? Like she disguising can, them as other servants. Yeah, she can get she can probably get one of them in. Yeah, but then the trick is going to be getting out. <laughs> yeah. So. But we, 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 we're, we're starting to formulate a plan. Yeah. We have 12% of a plan to yeah. quote star Lord. <laughs> yeah. We've got the, uh, the escape we have, section we have, of the plan. We have part of a plan. <laughs> yep. So we'll see um, how it works out. I have a feeling it won't be long before we're, before that starts playing out. Well, we, we only have so many chapters left. I mean, I guess, I guess it could spill over into the next book, but uh, I got a feeling it's going to end. It's going to be resolved before we get to the end of this book. All right. Um, Shall we move on to chapter 44? Yes. Yeah. Perspective Uh, change. (laughs) Yeah, we get get several perspectives in this chapter. Uh, Five will ride forth. Huron, Matt, and Perrin have picked up on Paddenfane's trail but have to take a detour to avoid a band of white cloaks. Jeffrey Bornhold gives Bayar orders to carry news to Dane Bornhold and the Lord Captain Commander of the Children of the Light. Meanwhile, as Huron and the others return to the rest of the party, a plan is put into place, and five prepare to ride forth into Falma. I'm just going to say it right here. The title of this chapter made me nervous. <laughs> Because I'm I'm remembering that uh, bit of I, I think it was a bit of the the prophecies, wasn't it? You know, I kept looking, but I couldn't find it. I, I uh, wanted to say it was when 
um, Moraine was with uh, the two the two sisters that were, were writing like the, hi- the history of the world. Yeah, I'm looking it up real quick. And I, I want to say that that it came up in those discussions. Maybe I I don't okay. remember what yep. chapter. You it are is. correct. Uh, yeah, that was in. Uh, it's in the prophecies of the dragon. Okay. Five so, will ride. Five ride forth. Let me talk. I can't talk today. Uh, five ride forth and four return. Above the watchers, over the wave, shall he proclaim himself. Bannered across the sky in fire, the stone of tear will never fall till Kalendor is wielded by the dragon's hand. Okay. I so, think. Now that I'm thinking about that, I think it may have actually been Tom that said that. <laughs> no, I, I think it was, it was uh, I forget the, the sister's name. Okay. What chapter is that in, do you know? Uh, that would have been in chapter 22. Okay. Um, Watchers. Yeah, let me see. I think that would have been, uh, was that Van Dean she was having the discussion with? Yeah. They were talking about the prophecies. Um, yeah. It was when they were talking about the prophecies in that chapter. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and some of that I think, you know, is reserved for a later day. Uh, you know, the, the part about the watchers, I think we have a good reason to think it's related to Tolman Head. I think that was maybe discussed, but it's the, the five riding forth and only four returning. Mm-hmm. That has me nervous. <laughs> and then Varen's creepy drawings. Yeah, but that, that's at the end of the chapter. We'll get back to that. <laughs> the good news. Good news is they found Paddenfane's trail. Yeah. Uh, it took them to a village where the Shan Chan have been up to their no good, but they found the trail. Um, but they don't really get a chance to pursue it right now. Right. Because who shows up? My favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, white cloaks come riding in and they have to they have to scarper and get out of the village. Um but we do get a chance to uh see a little bit more out of Perrin. Yeah. Uh some more interaction with the wolves. Yeah, he's yeah. he's really starting to uh to embrace who he is more even more. Yeah. Um Still kind of unsure of it because you know when, when when Matt asks him how he knows that the white cloaks weren't following, he's just like, "I just know." <laughs> but I guess that's not something you go spreading around to to everybody in the world. Yeah, uh, Huron doesn't really know what's going on there because they told he, you know, they told everybody that he was a sniffer, but right. Huron obviously knows he's not a sniffer. <laughs> yeah, because he's not doing the same thing, so. I think Euron is just kind of going with it. And just he he doesn't question because his lords told him it was okay. So he's that is the the endearing quality of Huron here is <laughs> if the lord tells him it's okay, then it's okay. He is, he is such a loyal follower. Yeah, uh, that he will just go with it. Um, so I love Huron, but yeah, we do see a lot of kind of growth for Perrin here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of resignment here as well. I think maybe that comes from 
his experiences and the flickering. Um, oh yeah. Because he was the one, he was the one who came out of that and said something to the effect of, you know, I guess some things are just meant to be, or some things won't change. Yeah. After he almost tried to claw out his own eyes. Yeah. (laughs) So Um, it's, I think there's a bit, it's growth, but I think it's also resignation. Like he's not going to fight it anymore because at this point he realizes that it's futile. Yeah. That it's happened and now he just needs to learn somehow how to cope with it. Well, maybe that's a step to get over to, you know, to be at peace with it, to accept it. Yeah. And then you can do something with it. Um, And I think, I think, I think we get a glimpse of that. I mean, he, he uses that connection to, I mean, he's, he's been using that connection to aid them along the way. And now here he uses it to be certain that the white cloaks aren't following yeah, it's um, becoming easier and easier for him to do it, too. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting, too. It's almost like a muscle that he's slowly working out, which I think is an appropriate analogy given he's a blacksmith. So. <laughs> um, speaking of Perrin being a blacksmith. Yeah. Uh, he they, they don't get out of the village completely scot-free, do they? They do not. I mean, I mean, they, they get don't out. Realize of, it. They, that, they get out of the village. Nobody pursues them, but that doesn't mean that they weren't recognized, or at least one of them wasn't recognized. Because lo and behold, this band of white cloaks that comes into the village is our old friend Jeff from Bornhold. Yep. Uh, who I have, I think, I've gone on the record as saying is probably one of the most tolerable among the white cloaks, at least so far. Yeah. Um, he is, but, I guess what you would call the best man out of bad men. Like, yeah. he's the closest thing to a good man that we've come across so far in the white cloaks. And, and he definitely shows a couple of negative qualities in this chapter, but yeah, he's been the best of them that we've seen so far, but yeah, yeah. he, he, he recognizes Perrin pretty much straight away. He doesn't, why, he he knows the face as soon as he sees it, yep. or he knows he knows the the bill. He knows the that he knows him right away, and then it takes him a minute to figure out why. Yeah, he can't <laughs> put all the pieces together. He finally does. Yeah, uh, even remembering the name. Um, but I guess they've got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, he's definitely less concerned with Perrin because. In all honesty, and we saw this back in the first book, I don't think Jeffrem was really convinced that Perrin was a dark friend. Right. He just, you know, the things he was able to do pretty much just summed it up for him. Was like, that's obviously a thing of the dark, so yeah. he must... But I don't think he was, like, outright committed to the idea of Perrin actually being a dark friend. He just was kind of going with it, and he was going to take him to trial, and they would find out. So I think... You know, he has his suspicions on whether Perrin may or may not be a dark friend, and just suspecting him of possibly being a dark friend is not enough to derail him from what is going on here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's he's definitely got something else going on. Um, yeah. Apparently, they've been on Toman Head for a while. I think I, I want to say I wrote down. Um, maybe I didn't. They've they've been on Toman Head for a while. And 
Yeah, I, I wrote down they've rode the length of Toman Head, but there there have been um, some encounters with the Sean Chan. Yeah, um, and I think those encounters really uh, kind of show the White Cloaks in a new light that we haven't been exposed to yet. So, so far in the books, we've basically had uh, the White Cloaks, for lack of a better term, other than the fact that they killed Hopper, what we see a lot of the White Cloaks doing in the cities is they're about as effective as Team Rocket in a Pokemon game. <laughs> like, they are the almost the comedic villains at some points in the first book. Like, you know, Matt gets them all dirty in the street. Yeah. You know, they're almost comedic relief at some points. Um, uh, and so we kind of start to think of them, I think, from the, what we've experienced with them so far is, yeah, they are bad. They have things we don't like, but we don't really see them as being very competent. Like, Lan and Nynaeve were pretty easily able to get in there and get Perrin out without having to do much. You know, it, they haven't really been threatening, I guess, is the way I would put it. Um, but I think this kind of sheds them and shows them in a new light here in the fact that they are able to take on the Sean Chan three different times and come out on top. Right. And only lose 50 men. I know 50 men yeah. sounds like a lot, but he's got over a thousand well, with him. So. Yeah. He mentioned he had, <laughs> and, and, and though those 50 were specifically in, was that across all the encounters or just that one? The one where they had Damane. Okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what I can't, that's what I took yeah. out of it. He too. didn't lose men in the other two. Yeah. <laughs> or if he did, it wasn't a large enough number to make reference to. But I, I so, guess the fact that even even going up against the Demane, they only lost fifty men. Yeah, uh, says something to, to to their their ability. Well, and the fact that that is one of the things that uh, white cloaks are actually trained to do is is to fight channelers yeah. to fight Aes yep. Sedai. They are trained in how to take down. I Sedai. Yeah. Now, albeit that training is not completely helpful with the Demane because they are used to fighting the few Aes Sedai that they have gone up against would have been sisters that were bound by their oaths. So that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> a good placed arrow is an easy enough way to take that person down. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little different, but they are a, a fighting group that specifically has done at least some training with how to take on Chandlers. Yeah. Um, and that actually, you know, kind of ties into something that I wanted to talk about. And there, there's several, I guess, several elements to this. Uh, basically, Bornhold is now convinced that the White Tower is fighting alongside the Shan Chan. Yeah. And that comes from, first of all, there's this assumption that anybody who can channel is associated with the White Tower, that they're Aes Sedai. And this... Uh, preconceived idea that the White Cloaks have that the Aes Sedai are the Tarvalin witches, that they're dark friends. And, you know, this is, is what I said a, a few moments ago. This is one of those moments where we see um, one of Bornhold's lesser qualities. Yeah. This, you know, he can't see past his own prejudice. Correct. You know, yeah, he, 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 he jumps from 
the that the Sean Chan have channelers to not only is the White Tower aligned with them, but the White Tower must be breaking their oaths because they're fighting alongside. So he he automatically jumps to the worst possible conclusion. Yeah. And I mean that's a that's a you know characteristic we see in people. Yeah. You know, and especially well, especially especially today when you know they see somebody that they're adamantly against and they do something and it's you know oh, automatically if there's something that comes up it it it's the worst possible conclusion. Yeah. Well, um, the white cloaks have always had this underlying notion that the Tarvalan witches were dark friends, that they couldn't be trusted. Right. And now what has happened here is in Jeffrom's head, he finally has the proof that everything they've been saying this whole time has been true. They are liars. They break their oaths. They're not to be trusted. You know, they are sided with the dark. So it's like everything he's always assumed and all these prejudices he's grown up with Finally, he has the evidence to him that says it's all true and it's I can a, prove it. It's a confirmation <laughs> bias. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. But I just, you know, again, that's one of those, um, one of his weaker qualities, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I had here, I mean, obviously there's there's the stuff that they're doing in the village, you know, making these people think that they're being held prisoner, but they're not even going to stick around. They're just gonna. Yeah, this, they're just gonna lock them up, and and you know they're gonna leave them with 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 food and, and water. That, you know, yeah. we'll give them credit. <laughs> well, I think but, this what's happening here actually, in my opinion, speaks a little more highly of Jeffrem here again because he's doing the same thing that the questioners were doing, but he's doing it in a more humane way. The questioners didn't want any word getting out about where they were at. And so they were just slaughtering everyone. Okay. Women, children didn't matter. He wants to avoid people spreading rumors so he can sneak his, his army into where he needs to get to, but he is doing it in a way that does not cause bloodshed. Yeah. He is basically just trying to scare them into thinking that they're there so they can get a few days ahead before rumors starts to spread of his army. Uh, so he's what he's doing here is actually takes more time and effort on his part. So he's actually going out of his way to avoid killing people, which is not something that all the white cloaks would bother with. <laughs> right. Um, well, he he's trying to, I guess, cover their tracks. Yep. But it doesn't really work, does it? <laughs> no, because he doesn't know about something. Yeah, he doesn't know that there is uh, something circling overhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone knows that they're there. Yep. Uh, we don't know exactly who. I, I, I would assume it's probably one of those Sean Chan writers. That, that That would be my assumption. I mean, I guess the other possibility is Drakkar, right? Yeah. Uh, those are the only two times we've seen any kind of flying creature, you know... That would yeah. be that, that would make sense to be in in this position, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna blight, so. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that it's uh, one of the Sean Chan writers. Uh, yeah. I guess one other thing to mention about Bornhold is he doesn't expect to leave Tolman Head alive. No, uh, because he gives, yeah, he gives uh, by our orders. You know, go tell his son what happened. Go and deliver messages to the Lord Captain Commander about what's been going on. Yeah, but he's also he. I think he really sees 
buy R for who he is. Yeah. Because every time he tells him, I want you to go and tell this, he has this second thought and he's like, nope, nope. I'm going to write this down and I want you to give it because <laughs> he's like, I can't trust this man to actually give the facts because yeah. he's too uh, indoctrinated. He's, at this they say point. he, he by has definitely drank the uh, white cloak Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, it's just fun to me to see that kind of perspective that on by here from, from uh, Bornhold. He's just like, He's a good man. He's a good soldier. He'll follow orders, but I can't trust that he'll actually tell events true. Yeah, you know he's gonna his own perceptions are gonna manipulate things, and that's not what I need here. I need the truth to get to these people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's let's talk about the last little bit of this chapter, and that's what we get from Rand's point of view. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention real quickly that little conversation that he has with Ingtar about. Uh, sword forms. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that we're going to, might see that come up again. Uh, <laughs> oh, you do, do you? Yeah. I don't know. Cause you, you know, Ingtar has a point that no. what, what you practice, you're going to do without thinking. Yep. So I'm afraid that something's going to happen to Rand in that regard. Um, and maybe soon we'll see. Um, I just wanted to mention that real quickly. I guess the main thing, though, is the return of Huron, Matt, and Perrin. And what's the plan going forward? Yeah. And the plan going forward is to send a small group into Falma. How many people yep. are in this group? Five. How many How many ride forth? <laughs> Five. And how, and, how, and how many return? <laughs> Well, we know that the prophecy say, says what did, what did four. The, what did the prophecies <laughs> prophecy said four? Yeah. And I'm pretty um, darn sure that Varen knows exactly what's happening here. Um, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> of her little drawing and how she says it over and over, five will ride forth, five will ride. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm pretty sure, at, you know, for a brown, she's probably spent quite a bit of time. You know, she quoted prophecies back in when we first met her. Right, right. So I think she has picked up on this and has, is doing the I said I thing of manipulating the situation. Yeah. And and it's not lost on her that there are three Taviran involved here. Yeah. We get that from her throughout this chapter. So uh, let, let's talk about the five that are riding forth. Um, Ingtar and Hurin. Hurin for obvious reasons. Right. Ingtar probably for obvious reasons too. I mean, because he's, he's, he's the leader of this, yeah. of this expedition. Matt, again... It's obvious he's the one who can sense where the dagger is. Yeah. Um, Rand, maybe not as obvious, but I mean, who else, right? <laughs> yeah. At this point, Rand is pretty much like side by side leading these people as right. opposed to like, he's really, even though they met back up and he was like trying really hard not to step on Ingtar's yeah. command, I think at this point... It has really become the Ingtar Rand combo team at this point. Yeah, and I, I, I think with Rand too, Varen knows something about Rand that none of the others do. Oh yeah, and well, she knows several somethings about Rand that yeah, none of the is, others do. She is not subtle. <laughs> no, she's not. Um, and Matt picks up on it real fast. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so so I, I, I just think that's hilarious. Yeah, like, of course, of course. In 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 Rand's mind, it's because you know he's he's determined to find the horn. He's determined to find the dagger. He's determined to confront Fane. He 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 believes that he has to be the one to confront yeah. Padden Fane because if he doesn't, Padden Fane's going to go to the two rivers and cause yep. trouble. Uh, rounding out the group is Perrin. Because he spoke up first. Yeah. <laughs> but and at the same because time... because Varen insists that he's Tavirin and needs to be a part. He's Tavirin. And also for, I mean, out of the remaining members of the group, he's the best candidate. Loyal can't go because he'll attract too much attention. Same yep. thing with uh, Uno and the other soldiers. You know, you don't yeah, want to send... stick out too much. You don't want to send too many soldiers in there, no matter how lax the Shanchan may seem to be. And then, of course, Varen knows about the Damani. She's not going to put herself in that situation. Or, yeah, she's, she's not like, going to straight she's, up. She's just like, peace out. I need well, more than well, <laughs> no, I, I think also she recognizes that she would be a hindrance, yeah, to the mission if she um, if she goes with them. So, and and even you know she does give that warning about a man uh, channeling near near a Damani and Intar's. Oh, why do you have to complicate this? Yeah. <laughs> Like uh, heaven forbid, let's not even talk about that idea. <laughs> well, it might it probably needs to be mentioned, um, at least for yeah. at least one member of the group. Yeah, I'm just thinking for Ingtar, he's just like, Why are you in bring <laughs> Yeah. Um, but so we've got our five. Yep. Um but four will return. Yep. At least that's what the prophecy said. And when Varen drew her little circle, you know, it for it had the it had the five spokes, and then I think the last time Rand looks at it, it only has four. When she goes and dashes it at the end with her foot, yeah. she knocks out one of the spokes, basically, and it's yeah. left with four. So, um, that's a little ominous. Yeah. Um, so, we taking bets? Well, my my money is on Ingtar or Hurin. You don't think it'll be one of the three? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm giving terrible odds on Rand, Matt, or Perrin, but, uh, well, we aren't in a George R.R. R. Martin book, so yeah, they might be a little safer. <laughs> yeah. If, if Martin were writing this, all bets would be off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 let me see. I'm gonna, and this is, this is legit. Because as I said at the beginning, I don't remember anything. Um, I'm going to put my money, figuratively speaking, on... See, it's a 50-50 for me. I'm going to say Ingtar. Okay. I'm going to put my money on Ingtar. And and, and again, like, I'm I'm being completely transparent. I do not... I, I don't remember that much detail about what happens in the... In the <laughs> ensuing chapters, so if it's one of those two, or if both of them survive somehow, yeah, uh, if we're mis if we're misreading the prophecy, and isn't that um, the fun of prophecy? We don't we assume it means one thing; it doesn't mean it means we that. We don't know. So, um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Ingtar as the uh, the one that won't return. But I guess we'll find that out soon enough. Yeah. Um. But I guess that's really all we've got for uh, for this week. 
I do have one question as we transition into final thoughts, and we, we mentioned their names a few times in this episode, but where in the world are Moraine and Lan? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think we've seen them. This is, let's see, we we just did, what, chapter 45 or 44? Yep. We haven't seen them in 22 chapters. <laughs> <laughs> we, we found that out tonight. It was chapter 22, last time we saw them. Uh, so and I, it was just a thought that I had as as I was, you know, reading and, and thinking. It's like, where are they? Are they going to show up again? What in the world are they doing? So, um, yeah. And and I, and I've got a new one for you this week. Um, okay. and, and this probably would have fit better last week uh, with with that discussion, especially um, chapter forty. But Leandrin is the worst. <laughs> yeah, she's um, pretty bad. White Cloaks and Sean Chan are, are, are the worst, too. But, uh, yeah, I thought about that earlier today as uh, I was, uh, I guess, reviewing some things. Like, no, Leandrin's pretty bad, too. So, yeah. um, anyway. Any final thoughts for you? Um, I don't think so. The uh, only thing I really have is just that, you know, we really encourage folks as they're reading uh to really pay attention to the details going forward. A lot's about to happen in a short amount of time. So yeah. really slow down and take in these last couple of chapters because you don't want to speed through it and miss it. Right. And uh, um, I guess I won't ask you who you've got your money on in, in, in the Deadpool. Um, yeah. <laughs> cause, cause My you, money's on. You, you, have, you, you have insider information. Yeah. Uh, you, you're playing with house money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Yep. So yeah, but well, uh, I think we are uh, drawing to a close on this chap on this book, and uh, it's getting pretty intense. That's right. We got some. Uh, uh, it's everything's about to pop off. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, so, listeners, as always, thank you for joining us for this episode. Uh, remember, new episodes can be found every Tuesday in your. Um, podcast platform of choice we would encourage you to subscribe leave us a rating leave us a review those would help us out a whole lot and uh get in touch with us on social media we're on twitter and instagram facebook uh we have a youtube page you can email us all of that information can be found in the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode so uh go and like follow subscribe whatever you do wherever you do it and uh, say hi Talk to us. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know what you think. And uh, let us know your your theories, your thoughts going forward, especially if you're, uh, you know, going with us through this for the first time. Uh, who, yeah. who do you think? Who do you think is going to be the one who doesn't return? <laughs> Let, let's let's ask that question. Get your thoughts on that. Uh, Stephen, what are we doing next week? Uh, so next week, uh, there's... Some pretty big chapters, so we're only going to be covering chapters 45 through 46 next week. All right. Um, kind of take some time and dig into them. Yeah, you heard it here first. So we'll be looking forward to that next week and hope that you will be back with us as we discuss those two chapters of The Great Hunt. Until then, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off for now and uh, hope that you have a fantastic week. We'll see you right back here next time. Goodbye, everybody. See you, folks.